Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to our number two of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's hour two on this Monday, April 24th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. Up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, we'll take your calls around 1115 if you'd like to join the program. It's NFL Draft Week. Suns trying to close things out on Tuesday, 602-260-1060 is the number. But as we typically do here, let's reset the scene with today's poll questions. And we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Are the Suns playing well through four games of the first round series versus the Clippers? This has been a wild arc. So we started the sports zone with no leading the way by 100% of the vote. Then it got closer with no still out in front. Now, our next update, yes, is leading the way at 55%, no trailing at 45% of the vote. Yeah, kind of like uh, there was a spirit. This is what actually inspired the question. There was a spirited debate after the Suns victory on Saturday on ESPN about this. And uh, ESPN slash ABC, I forget which game, which network they were officially on. As far as the argument part goes, but uh, you know, I heard both sides of this, and so I thought this would be a good poll question. And now it turns out maybe it is, with all the shifting back and forth. Yes, we'll answer this question around 11:30 with you still having an opportunity to cast your vote. On Twitter, at KDUS AM 1060, should the Cardinals find a better trade than dealing the third pick to the Steelers for the 17th pick and at least two other 2023 selections? Yes, out in front at 84.2% of the vote, no trailing at 15.8%. Yeah, and I thought for sure the Suns were, the Suns, excuse me, the Cardinals were in a really prime position with the third pick of the draft. Uh, I'm not as positive right now, but then again, we're entering the draft week and, you know, who you can actually believe, uh, you know, lots of wild rumors out there or non-wild rumors out there. The fact that, you know, C.J. Stroud may not go in the top seven picks is something that's out there now. He's gone from uh, number one to number two to not in the top seven. So, you know, there's something going on there. Whether it's accurate or not, I have no idea. Uh, but uh, you know, I actually thought the Cardinals were in pretty good shape at three, thinking that you know teams are you know they don't get uh, assuming Young and Stroud with one and two that you know whoever is uh, still out there, you know even talk to the Colts might move in one move up one spot uh, to, with the Cardinals to get that third pick so they could draft the quarterback that they want, but. Now with uh, the Stroud uh, demise, so to speak, at least in the the mock draft and rumor mills around the the NFL, I have no idea what to think about the Cardinals drafting third. 
Well, we'll uh, have plenty of time to try to figure that out today and through the rest of the week because, of course, the NFL draft round number one gets started on Thursday. But that's over on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. We'll answer it around 1130. Uh, Peter King's Football Morning in America had an interesting quote and some stats and then also his mock draft that I thought we could run through because his mock draft, uh, you know, I don't. His mock draft is unlike anything I've seen so far in the prognosticators of mock drafts. And he's, of course, taking this from his experiences and talking with with different personnel uh, within the league. And I'm just kind of curious to to get your take on some of the things and directions that he's going here. But one of the interesting uh, quotes that he had here from a general manager with a top 10 pick for the second straight year, quote, last year, I was 90 percent sure of our pick before the draft. This year, I'm 25 percent sure. That doesn't surprise me. Uh, last year, I think, was kind of a odd draft in uh, a lot of ways. And if you remember the top 10 from last year, you know, I'm guessing that the prog- uh, prognosticators seemed to be pretty much right on with a lot of those picks. Seemed like a, a draft that went according to form, if there is such a thing. Uh, this year, I have no idea. As I just mentioned with the Cardinals situation and you know, the Stroud demise or, you know, I don't know what's going on there. It's not like he's played a bad game since the end of last season. In fact, the last game that he played arguably was the best game he ever played at Ohio State and then supposedly elevated him to maybe number one in the draft. And now you know, he's supposedly nowhere near number one or two in the draft. And so here are a couple of the stats that I found intriguing as well. And maybe this is also why we're a little uncertain as to what to expect, because nine of the top 11 teams have either a coach or a general manager that is in their first and second year. In addition to that, teams number one through four all have new head coaches. That's an interesting point. I think that's a very valid, interesting point. Plus, you've got four teams that have two first round picks. Uh, this is at least as of right now, they don't, they have four, you know, two first round picks, which, uh, you know, is, you know, and some of those are, you know, you know, obviously Houston at two and 12 kind of you know, two and 11 or two and 12, one of those two, uh, come to mind right off the top of my head there, two and 12, just double checking here. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Also, I think the Jalen Carter thing has kind of thrown this draft into a, uh, more uncertainty uh, that you know, you know hear teams now saying that uh, you know they they've moved on from the off the field things etc and then you have other things that you know, supposedly the Bears supposedly think that they can get him at number nine <laughs> so you know but he's clearly just based on the you know on field you know performance uh, you know should be the best player in this draft uh, quite frankly. And a position where many teams, if not damn near every team, desperately needs defensive down linemen that can be impact players. And it sure seems like he has a very high probability of becoming an impact player like immediately in the NFL. So going through Peter's mock draft here, I thought we could go through a few of these. We won't go through all 31 of the picks, but uh, we'll go through a few of these here. It seems like this is now becoming consensus-wide, even with Peter King here with Football Morning in America, that the Panthers are going with the number one overall pick, Bryce Young, quarterback from Alabama. Um, Have you come around to Bryce Young? Uh, No, Uh, unless he, you know, 
it grows like three or four inches uh, before the draft. But there appears to be zero doubt at this point that Carolina is taking him. He canceled all his remaining visits last week. Uh, you know, why would you do that? You wouldn't do that unless you've been assured you're going to be the number one pick of the draft. Uh, then this is where things get a little wild and interesting here. Number two with the Houston Texans, this is where everyone across the board is saying that things could go wild. They could try to trade out. They could not take a quarterback. Plenty of different things uh, are on the table here for the Houston Texans. And I've certainly heard uh, Will Anderson as the number two overall selection here. But that's not what where Peter King's going. No, he's going Tyree Wilson, edge at a Texas Tech. Uh, first of all, he wonders if a team will be able to trade up here or will they build a defense around head coach D'Amico Ryans? He feels like Tyree Wilson uh, certainly has a lot of the same characteristics and traits that Nick Bosa did. And obviously D'Amico Ryans, his defensive coordinator, had a lot of success in San Francisco with Nick Bosa. Yeah, and also, you know, Wilson has a lot of history in the state of Texas. I don't know if that matters or not, but he started his career at AM, ended up at Texas Tech. And, uh, you know, there's, I'm sure, many people in the state of Texas are well aware of him before other, you know, I think everybody's aware of Wilson now. But, uh, you know, they've known him for a long time since uh, he was a, you know, number one recruit for Texas A&M several years ago. Uh, number three here, he has the Cardinals trading this pick to Tennessee and then Tennessee taking C.J. Stroud, quarterback from Ohio State. He says no idea if it'll actually happen, but it makes sense as King is reporting that he's heard that the Titans have lost faith in Malik Willis. Plus, there's the connection with uh, Mike Vrabel, Ohio State, Ryan Day. Feels like Ryan Day would give him some insights in the reality with C.J. Stroud. Yeah, I can certainly understand why there's no faith in Malik Willis. I couldn't understand why he was picked as highly as he was. And, you know, some people thought last year during the preseason that Malik Willis was the quarterback of the future. I know that there's lots of stuff out there the last few days here that Tannehill is available. So if somebody wants to go get him, they can. Yeah, in Tennessee – is sitting at number 11, so if the Cardinals trade down, it would be uh, to the number 11 pick if they uh, make, a deal, make a deal with Tennessee. It was two or three weeks ago at least. With their, This was a really popular rumor that they were going to swap with Tennessee, and then that seems to kind of at least vanish to some extent, but apparently not according to King. Fourth. Colts taking Will Levis. Uh, he's saying that he's heard so much surrounding this fourth overall pick that he's just really not sure what to believe at this point. He also wouldn't be surprised if the pick is Anthony Richardson and Shane Steichen would go with Gardner Minshew for a year and allow Richardson to grow uh, behind that role. But uh, interesting in, in general that Will Levis and his draft stock has just absolutely skyrocketed here in the last month. Yeah, I have no idea why. Um, it's just uh, I'm not a Will Levis guy. You know, he had uh, one really good season at Kentucky when he had one of the best, or maybe the best, offensive line in college football. A lot of those guys, you know, left and didn't come back last year. You know, they they didn't like you know bolt the scene. They just you know their eligibility was up. Uh, also, he lost uh, you know you know the uh, Robinson, the really good receiver, went to the Giants. So he didn't have nearly as much around him and didn't look as good. Also, people, uh, Big Ten fans, remember Levis from when he was at Penn State. 
and you know, he couldn't break the quarterback. Uh, you know, job. he couldn't really get to the quarterback job there. In fact, when he played at Penn State, he was almost strictly brought in to run the ball. Uh, it was just pretty much a you know run first and pass if you have to situation. So I'm uh, completely baffled by the Levis thing. I will say one thing about Indianapolis: they have nine picks in this draft, so they could pretty much do anything. If they actually wanted to move up, they could. If they you know they have the you know versatility with their nine picks to move down if they'd like to, and probably even get more picks. But uh, you know that they've got uh, they've got a lot of they've got many options with nine picks in the draft, including number four. Then you have number five, the Seattle Seahawks, and obviously you had a conversation with Bob Condota of the Seattle Times, and if you missed any of that conversation, podcast over at KDOS1060.com, the KDOS1060 app, or Apple and Spotify to get your podcast. Um, Seahawks, Peter King has Jalen Carter, defensive tackle from yeah. Georgia here. Uh, this is interesting, though. General Manager John Snyder, has, this is going to be his 14th draft in Seattle. He's never had a top five pick before. That's a good thing. Yes. Um, he's also traded down a lot, but not with the you know my top pick or you know, even a top ten pick. You know, he's traded down frequently, but you know all those trades have been when they're in the twenties and they've traded out of the first round a few times. You know, for teams that are looking to move into the first round and get an extra pick, or you know somebody that wants to get a quarterback at the end of that first round so they can get the fifth-year option and things like that. Yeah, I think that Jalen Carter is certainly the uh, prevailing opinion on this now. I know that Tyree Wilson uh, has been mentioned, and uh, we talked about both of those guys. Uh, Both their names came up when we talked with Bob Condota from the Seattle Times in the first hour in the sports zone today. So they clearly – They've added some defensive line help this offseason, but yeah, they need to add even more. And uh, you know, one of the many teams in the NFL, and, and remember, they're good. They're really good. And uh, you know, they were extremely you know, uh, you know, surprising last season. They've added a lot of uh, interesting free agent pieces, which we also talked about with Bob in some detail uh, this offseason. And, and uh, I think that uh, – you know, Seattle, especially in the NFC West, which seems to be, you know, you know, really a you know a two-tier division right now with uh, you know, San Francisco and Seattle, and then you have the Cardinals and the Rams, who could be two of the worst teams in the NFL. Number six here, the Lions. He has uh, he being Peter King, football morning in America. Will Anderson, edge rusher, Alabama. Uh, also, he mentions here that with the recent suspensions from players on the Detroit Lions involving gambling from last week, uh, that they could go maybe with a corner here, Devin, Devin Witherspoon from Illinois. But he also wants to imagine for a minute Will Anderson and Aiden Hutchinson lined up together. Yeah, they'd be crazy if he's available and they don't take him. Uh, but Detroit also has versatility. They have two first-rounders, one of the four teams that has that. Uh, they're at 6-18. and 18. The Lions also have two second-rounders, so they got all kinds of you know, maneuverability here as far as the draft goes, and uh, uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, you know, I can't imagine them passing up on an opportunity if Anderson is actually there. I would be really surprised if Anderson is there, but, uh, you know, who knows? But, uh, yeah, I think to this point, I'd be really surprised if Houston actually didn't take Anderson at the second pick. 
So number seven, he has with the Raiders, uh, Devin Witherspoon, cornerback, Illinois. He just doesn't believe that general manager Dave Ziegler will go with a quarterback with being able to get Jimmy Garoppolo because they also just have so many other important areas that they need to address to rebuild that roster. Yeah, I think their roster is amongst the worst in the league. Uh, yeah, I've actually, you know, I've been was really wrong about the Raiders two years ago. And I think I was pretty right about the Raiders last year. They just don't have very many good players. And they've lost some of their best players since last year, either via trade or just they left via free agency, etc. cetera. Uh, you know, I think it's just kind of a crapshoot what the Raiders might do at this point. And at least they don't have you know, Mayock and Gruden making the decisions because early I was Gruden making the decisions and Mayock was the, quote, general manager most of those decisions that Gruden made personnel-wise were a disaster. There's five more that I want to get to because we got to get through at least the Arizona Cardinals. If, since in this mock draft of Peter King's, he traded out of the third overall pick. So where do they go? So we'll get into that on the other side of the break. You can also uh, chime in as well. 602-260-1060 is the number. We'll continue on with uh, Peter King's Football Morning in America, his mock draft, and some of the interesting little tidbits that he had surrounding all of that. Draft day number one is Thursday, 5 p.m. ESPN, NFL Network, ABC 15, Plenty of options for you to uh, follow along with the draft. But we'll get into all of that on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. The Dan Patrick Show, weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. This is just uh, something I like to call breakfast. With big-name guests, timely sports information, and more on KTUS AM 1060. Eleven twenty-four, right here on KDOS AM ten sixty online at KDOS ten sixty dot com, and with the KDOS ten sixty app powered by SuperBook Sports. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro, with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We're continuing through uh, Peter King of Football Morning in America's mock draft. I found some of his decisions at least in this early mock draft here before Thursday gets underway. Um, Interesting. And so I thought we could continue to roll through them. So far, we've gone through uh, one through seven with the Raiders at the seventh position. So let's move into number eight with the Atlanta Falcons. And he has here... Bijan Robinson running back from Texas he says that he knows that the Falcons really want to trade down that is ultimately what they really really would love to do they also love Robinson but also continuing to factor in here uh you know draft value running back this high in the draft it's a lot Agreed. Uh, I think he's a tremendous player, however. A lot of people think he's like a top five talent in this draft. Uh, he's got an Arizona background, went to Tucson South Point High School. Uh, you know, didn't show any interest in going to the U of A or ASU. Ended up in Texas. He's a really good player and uh, had some really good games against some of the best defenses that he faced in his career at Texas. Obviously went through you know, several scheme changes 
and a lot of quarterback changes at Texas, and that didn't seem to really matter to him. He's he's just a he is a playmaker, and if it wasn't for this uh, anti-running back sentiment that a lot of people have in the NFL these days. I think that he would even be thought about even more than he is now. But as I mentioned, some actually believe he's a top five talent. I don't know if anybody has him like in the top five of a mock draft, but he's a really good player. And Atlanta has been kind of, you know, going with running backs and, you know, kind of a, you know, it seems like it's a different couple of guys every year or so. You know, Cordero Patterson was good, but that's wonderful. But that dude was a you know wide receiver like three years ago. Uh, so they can do better there. And uh, their offensive line needs to get better. And I don't care who the running back is. So, yeah, but there's not going to be an offensive lineman, I don't think, taken in the top ten. Uh, then you have number nine, the Bears, Paris Johnson Jr., a tackle out of Ohio. Maybe there is an offensive lineman <laughs> that will be taken in the top ten. Uh, here's his thinking here, him being Peter King, that obviously the offensive line contributed to Justin Fields being sacked 58 times last year, uh, that they need to be able to shore that up. They had an offseason in which they helped get other areas of need, DJ Moore, wide receiver, linebacker TJ Edwards, linebacker Tremaine Edmonds. So offensive lineman is something that the Bears need to address well the thing with Johnson he's a very versatile player he only played left tackle for the last year and a half when he was at Ohio State he played some guard played some right tackle early in his career there Uh, was considered to be the top high school offensive lineman in the country when he went to Ohio State he's good um and, and I know they didn't give up very many sacks last year, but against a couple of the better teams that they faced, Michigan and Georgia come to mind, uh, he didn't exactly have the best games. Um, you know, it's not like that Stroud was sacked, you know, continually in those games. He was, you know, barely sacked at all, at least this past year, the, you know, the second year in a row that they lost to Michigan. wasn't a fact it was it wasn't a quarterback pressure thing in that game. It was two years ago. Uh, and he was part of the uh, team, part of the group that didn't pass protect at all against Michigan and Ann Arbor uh, when they lost in uh, 2021. But uh, you, know, I, you know, certainly the Bears. If you want to make a case for offensive line, you can do that. And you know, there's a reason that they, you know, they had the first pick of the draft here until they traded out of it. But they they need a whole lot of things and uh, offensive and defense. Well, the offensive line and defensive front seven are got to be at the top of the list. I assume wide receiver might even be there too, but you know, you can get wide receivers later, especially in this draft, which does not have the elite level wide receivers that we've seen. And seemingly most every draft for four or five years running seems to be a big drop off at that position this year. Then you have uh, number 10, the Eagles, Nolan Smith, edge from Georgia. He, Peter King said that he almost put in Peter Skorniski here, but a general manager told King that the Eagles really love Smith. And then he went and dug a little bit deeper into the edge players for the Eagles and that they average 29 years old. So trying to get younger, more youthful here and allow him to come along with guys like Brandon Graham, Hassan Reddick, Derek Barnett, and Josh Sweat. Yeah, Smith's coming off an injury, uh, so I assume that uh, you know people don't have red flagged, and obviously, uh, you know that was a, a big issue for him at the end of his college career. So we'll see what happens. Skaronsky would be an interesting choice because you know the Eagles, as we mentioned frequently last season, 
uh, and with good reason, you know, their offensive line is just tremendous. And the fact that they have, you know, multiple really good offensive linemen and, uh, you know, Skaronsky was tremendous at Northwestern and Northwestern is really developing a kind of a, you know, you know, kind of a you know, farm system, so to speak, for left tackles or offensive linemen in the NFL. They've got a whole bunch of dudes, three or four guys in the last, you know, handful of years that have, uh, you know, become pretty, pretty close to immediate impact offensive linemen in the NFL. Uh, then you also have here, so going back to the previous segment with P- with Peter King's uh, mock draft here, he had the uh, Titans and the Cardinals trading 3-11. and 11, So we've made it to number 11 with the Cardinals, and he has Christian Gonzalez, cornerback of Oregon. Uh, King says that if he kept the Cardinals at 3, he would have blown everything up, and he would have actually gone Paris Johnson, not Will Anderson, but... Since week 14 in 2021, the Cardinals have the worst winning percentage in the NFL, playoffs included. Arizona is 5 and 18, that accounts to a 0.217 percentage. Chicago's 5 and 17, 0.227. Houston 5 16 and 1, 0.238. Obviously here, the Cardinals have a lot of areas of need. So if the Cardinals ended up going corner in the first round, would you be okay with that? I've been okay with this for the last five years running. Uh, we've had the uh, it was the annual question who's the corner opposite Patrick Peterson, and you know, now you know, Byron Murphy was actually very good last season. But you know, if the Cardinals wanted to keep Byron Murphy, they certainly could have because he didn't break the bank when he signed with Minnesota. So they've obviously moved on from him now, and uh, even uh, you know the best corner they've had for you know a couple of years, they just watched, watched him leave, and uh, so I got no problem with that. Um, you know, you know it's a position of need for them for a long time, and really, other than the year that Cromarty was really good with uh, you know Peterson was still operating at an All Pro level in those days. You know that's about the only year, literally in the last seven or eight years, where the Cardinals have had effective cornerback play for more than one guy. And finally here, number 12, the Houston Texans. I, I, I have to have your instant reaction here. Hendon Hooker, quarterback, Tennessee. He's going to get picked somewhere in the first round. This seems a little high, but if Houston's going to bypass a quarterback at two, uh, I guess they're going to go at Davis Mills for another year, who, you know, some games, and you know, he has the, the wacky home and road splits. Uh, we got into that a couple of times last season. He's actually pretty damn good at home and pretty awful on the road. Uh, so which that's kind of more like a pitcher in baseball than it is a quarterback in the NFL, but whatever. Uh, but if they're going to pass on a quarterback at two, maybe it's, that, that, maybe it makes sense that you know they have somebody in, line, in mind at number 12, and Hooker is going to be a redshirt guy this upcoming year. He might be available at some point of the season, but coming off the ACL injury when he was at Tennessee – and I know I heard a lot about Hooker over the weekend uh, when I did some draft research and did quite a bit of draft research over the weekend. And, you know, there are a lot of people that are concerned more about him and the offense that he ran at uh, Tennessee being nowhere near what an NFL offense is like. Uh, it seems to be as, just as much concerned about them than coming off of the knee injury. Those are the people that are anti-Hooker. There are plenty of people that are pro-hooker here. 
then it sure seems like it's almost a guarantee he's going to get picked in the first round. Do you feel like that is the quarterback position is obviously in such an important position on an NFL roster. Does it feel like that's kind of reaching a bit to, to try to help solidify an area of need? I think it just depends on the organization. Um, you know, there, there, for weeks, everybody just assumed they were going to take a quarterback, and now nobody thinks they're going to take a quarterback. So they must have some kind of alternate plan. And uh, uh, the things I've actually heard, this idea with Hooker, you know, makes the most sense. I don't necessarily agree with it, but uh, you know, I can I, I can understand the logic at least if you're not going to take one of the. Uh, uh, quarterbacks at number two because there's options if you want to take a quarterback at two, needless to say. Um, and uh, we'll see, you know, see how that goes. They shouldn't have uh, they shouldn't have uh, lost that. You know, if they if they taken care of business and won that last game, they could have had you know, could have done anything they wanted with a number one pick. So that's, of course, Peter King's uh, Football Morning in America. And if you want, you can uh, go figure out what the rest of 13 through 31 are. Uh, And, of course, the NFL draft is getting started Thursday, 5 p.m. NBA playoffs, they continue today. We'll also get into poll questions on the other side of the break. Still time to cast your vote, KDOS1060.com, as well as on Twitter at KDOSAM1060. We'll see how the uh, ebbs and flows have gone for the KDOS1060.com poll question and where it's all finished up. He's, of course, Bob Kemp. I'm Kayla Morslaro. It is The Extra Point right here on KDOSAM1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Catch the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. We're still in the month of April, and right now Superbook Sports has put up a $100 gift certificate. Easy for you to get involved in the opportunity to win. Download the KDOS 1060 app, register, and follow along with the instructions of how you become eligible. We'll be picking that winner at the conclusion of April. As we toss it on over to KDOS1060.com for today's poll question, here we go. The Phoenix Suns, are they playing well through... The first four games of the first round series versus the Clippers, yes or no? I'm going to say no. Um, you know, with the exception of the game where they shot like 58%, uh, I don't think they're playing all that uh, great. And they're obviously dependent on uh, their top five guys here. And uh, those guys have all had very good moments in this series. You know, the fact that they're playing a team that, it was out uh, without their two best players by far, and I don't think that that's made life terribly difficult. And really, other than the uh, first you know, couple of minutes of the uh, first half on Saturday, 
uh, you know, other than, yeah, obviously game one, uh, the Clippers played well, but Leonard was, you know, kind of on his game then. And that's actually the game where he apparently he suffered, uh, you know, further injury to the knee, which has led to where we're at now. But, you know, you know I, I really haven't thought that the Suns have uh, played that great, quite frankly. And, uh, yeah, assuming they're going to play the Nuggets in the next series, I think they're going to have to up their level of play you know, significantly in that series. And the fact that the Nuggets now suddenly have a really good bench and the Suns don't, I do think that uh, the minutes that uh, people are losing their minds over the in this particular series regarding the Suns with all these guys playing 40 or more minutes and la-di-da, I don't think it matters against the Clippers. I think it could matter against the Nuggets. Can I say that they've played well in spurts? Sure. Okay. Uh, That's fair. Okay, because I think they have played well in spurts, but for an entire game, no. I I think that certainly uh, without Devin Booker doing what he did in games two and three, we're having a completely different conversation. Uh, And then Chris Paul doing what he did in the fourth quarter and and really taking that 3-1 series lead. And as you have pointed out numerous times, how important it is to not let these series linger longer than any games that they really need to. So taking care of business and really taking care of an opponent that at this point now is so depleted. Their stars aren't here, Kawhi Leonard and of course Paul George. So I I think we've seen flashes, we've seen spurts, we haven't seen it all come together consistently. Certainly the slow starts have been a a bit of an issue as well and uh, maybe just some of the things that they can't fix that this is just how they're currently constructed and so they're not able to do what we want them to do and and they're trying their best uh but just kind of the way that that everything has unfolded i i'd agree with you that in totality uh this hasn't been their best series just to add a little more ammo to your you know thing about playing in spurts i think that other than uh really the second half of game two i don't even think they played a really good half in this series the masses, though, are now on the yes side of things at 58% of the vote, no sitting at 42%. This is KDOS1060.com's poll question. Tossing this on over to Twitter, at KDOSAM1060, should the Cardinals find a better trade than dealing the third pick to the Steelers for the 17th pick and at least two other 2023 suggest- uh, selections? Um You'd have to think that there's something better out there than falling to 17. I know that they have so many areas of need, and certainly um, they want to accumulate as many picks as they can to try to address all of these areas of need. So if it ends up being the best offer, then I think you have to strongly consider it. But if... If this is like what everyone maybe thinks where there's not going to be this run on quarterbacks, I'm curious to see what the third pick actually holds value to other teams around the league. Yeah, I agree with that quarterback analogy for sure. I mean, if uh, let's just say that Young and Stroud you know, are going to be the first two picks, which nobody seems to think that that's going to be the case anymore. Young's going to be one and Stroud, God knows where he's going to go. In fact, Stroud visited Atlanta this past week. So, you know, they're, what are they picking, seventh or eighth? Uh, so you know, that's uh, kind of where the Stroud camp is sitting now that uh, I can't imagine like a month ago he would have imagined I'm going to go visit the Atlanta Falcons. Really? Uh, so, but he did last week. So that's where that is. But I think the Suns, or excuse me, the Cardinals, I uh, think their leverage 
with that number three pick, which I thought was so good, like uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, not sure where it is right now. And then you know, there's lots of uh, you know, seemingly differing opinions on Richardson and Levis, who were considered to be the third and fourth quarterbacks by most. So I'm not, I don't know, but it sure seems like the Suns, keep saying the Suns, the Cardinals could do be better. They could do better than the 17th pick if they trade down and, you know, I think the, you know, the risk of uh, you know, getting the right player or a contributing player uh, at 17 obviously is uh, much lower than, say, you know, 11 or 12, which is, you know, the Peter King scenario or, you know, wherever we heard before. You know, we you know, heard some, you know, actually we're in Atlanta mentioned a couple of weeks ago. So it just seems like they could do better than that. You know, the uh, Pittsburgh uh, thing that was out there over the weekend includes a 2023 first-round pick. But I think there's actually a chance that the Steelers could be decent next season, depending on what they do in this draft. And, yeah, they've definitely did some interesting things in free agency. Uh, so, Nick, uh, the, the Steelers, I, you know, think the, the prevailing opinion right now is they're going to be a better team, uh, really, no matter what they do this week than they were at the end of last season because they have added some, uh, you know, some ammo during the offseason here to get better. Yeah, uh, certainly this has just been this has just been kind of a very interesting draft process in general because all of, like the the third overall pick as you mentioned had quite a lot of value here just one month ago. Now we're like, is there any value here with the third pick? Are any teams going to be interested in this? So it's just kind of wild how the the paradigm has just shifted so quickly and also i don't know what to make of so it used to be the the wonderlick test was the thing now it's this s2 test and that's what's coming out here now about how cj stroud didn't do as well on this s2 test and suddenly now he's he's sinking in the draft uh opportunities so it's just kind of at some point, what is the smokescreen here? And I'm fascinated to know where people really do end up picking because they have a player that they like in an area of need that they need to fill, and they go ahead and make the pick. Yeah, I never believed in the Wonderlook test to begin with. Maybe I'm just totally wrong about that, but I know it's supposed to be more of a big deal for quarterbacks and other positions. Uh, but, uh, you know, I watched every snap of C.J. Stroud's career, and yeah, he is an incredibly accurate passer at all three levels. And uh, I'm just kind of amazed that he's not going to be the second quarterback. I actually think he's the best quarterback. It has nothing to do with my Ohio State allegiance. I just think that his size and his accuracy, I mean, his throwing ability to, as I mentioned, all three levels, I'm actually so stunned that he's not going to be at least a second quarterback picked, and apparently he's not going to be. I uh, can't forget about the masses. The masses are on the yes side of things at 84.2%, no trailing at 15.8%, and that's on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. We'll wrap up this edition, this Monday, April 24th edition of Extra Point on the other side of the break. There's some NBA playoff games. They continue tonight, the Bucks and the Heat, the Grizzlies and the Lakers. We'll get a little bit into that as we wrap up today's show. He, of course, is Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you right here on on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Here in the month of April, Superbook Sports putting up a $100 gift certificate 
Download the KDOS 1060 app, register, follow along with the instructions for your opportunity to win $100. In addition to that, there's a lot of other great prizes on the app, so be sure to be following along with the listener rewards available to you. Concluding uh, this extra point on the other side of the break. Every Monday night, check out Ray Adams as he hosts the Monday Night Golf and Lifestyle Show from 6 to 7 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060. today's extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS 1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's Monday. It's April 24th and it's that time once again. It is. Thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else. Super the cracks. Also our guest today. And we had a Seahawks uh, preview of the draft and really off-season review. They've done a lot in this off-season. Bob Kendota joined us from the Seattle Times. And also we were on the NBA with Sean Devaney of Heavy.com during the extra point. And uh, we went through every playoff series with Sean, including Suns and Clippers. Uh, sound of the day courtesy of Bally Sports Arizona, CBS, Fox, ESPN, WDAE, that is the uh, flagship station of the Tampa Bay Rays, still undefeated at home. And also uh, the the A's uh, cast is what it's called. And uh, I don't even know if the A's still have a radio station in, in Oakland these days or whether it's just a you know one of those uh, you know podcast type of things and whatever. But that whole franchise, unfortunately, is going to hell. And uh, But the good news is they're going to go from hell to Las Vegas here within the next uh, couple of years, most likely. Seems to be a pretty close to a done deal at this point. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla and Corey and Aaron. And uh, Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. Up next, from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Beerstein from 5 to 6, Monday Night Golf with Ray Adams from 6 to 7, and James Out West from 7 to 8 tonight. We have to get into the NBA playoffs continuing today. The Bucks minus seven, Heat plus seven. It's a 4.30 p.m. tip-off here. Giannis is questionable for tonight, but doesn't the number kind of seem like people think he's going to play? Yeah, there's even some eight and a halfs out there in the last you know, few minutes here. So that certainly gives you a pretty good indication, at least uh, the betting public. I don't know if they've officially said anything. I know there's been at least a couple of reports out there this morning that he's going to play. But I'm not sure that Budenholz or anybody for the Bucks has actually said that yet. But, uh, yeah, and obviously the Heat are running out of players, unfortunately. Uh, you know, they already lost a Hero early in the series. And unless they reach the finals, he's done for the season. And Oladipo, who's unfortunately had lots of injuries in his career, is now out for uh, you know, the rest of this year and into next year uh, with his in- injury on Saturday night. So, you know, the heat of uh, you know, the games that they've won so far, they uncharacteristically have made a whole bunch of threes. And uh, as Sean mentioned when we talked with Sean Devaney, 
you know, their defense has just been bad. Uh, when uh, Giannis hasn't played, they're allowing like 120 a game in the series. And the Heat entered the playoffs as the worst offensive team in the postseason. And now it's kind of like uh, they've made threes, and uh, when they're not making threes, they're getting to the rim. And, uh, you know, Brooke Lopez is the guy that I think has actually, I wouldn't say failed the uh, Heat, but, you know, excuse me, the, uh, the Bucks. But, you know, he's not been the defensive player. He was actually a candidate for defensive player of the year. You certainly wouldn't say that based on what we've seen from him in this postseason. Uh, yeah. And so then you like you mentioned there, Brooke Lopez, right? So he had such a great game in game two, but struggled in game three, just three of nine, six points in just 30 minutes. In fact, in this series, he's only averaged 13.7 points, 3.7 rebounds per game. And that's including his 25 point performance in game two. So kind of interesting there. But as we talked about with Sean Devaney, can the Heat really keep this up shooting threes at the clip that they are? I mean, they had a huge lift from Duncan Robbins in after they also keep losing players they do and uh, to me once again just to repeat myself i guess the the lopez thing the biggest difference and the biggest decline has been at the defensive end for him certainly he benefits and they benefit when Giannis is out there both sides of the ball but i'm shocked how poor of uh you know the defensive performance has been whether Giannis is playing or not uh, then you have the Grizzlies plus four and a half, the Lakers minus four and a half, seven o'clock tonight. Size advantage remains for the Lakers, but I think we have to give some credit here to Xavier Tillman for his emergence in this series. Uh, certainly that was maybe a little unexpected. Yeah, I liked him a lot at Michigan State. <laughs> I think he's just kind of a backup guy in the NBA, but uh, he's a... Uh... He certainly had some good moments in this series. We'll see what happens. I actually like the Lakers a lot. Two games or two days ago on Saturday. Um, you know, the number's still sitting like four, four and a half, which is kind of where it was on Saturday. I'm a little surprised it hasn't gone up more. Uh, and uh, Brooks, is he's not going to be suspended for this game, by the way. I know there was some speculation that he might be suspended after he got ejected on Saturday. But he's uh, been cleared to return as far as the NBA is concerned. Do the Lakers need a little bit more from D'Angelo Russell? Well, (laughs) you're the wrong guy to ask about D'Angelo Russell, the most selfish player in the history of Ohio State sports. And I'm not exaggerating. Now he just can't make shots. I don't think it's even a selfish thing. uh, He hasn't been good. As always, thanks for listening to The Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. Have yourselves a fantastic Monday. The Sports Zone with Bob Kemp with you tomorrow.